now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Accountant, Stockbroker and Financial Planner. There it is, Thursday Finance. Stephen, good afternoon. Big program for you today. Hi, Mark. Yep, big what? program like it always is. Oh, well, there you go. We'll just keep the consistency happening then. Look, you've got a big guest coming up a little later this afternoon. Uh, we've got Mandy Barton from the Department of Human Resources coming to talk about um, carer payments today. Okay, and uh, some other things happening too? Um, we've got the currencies and commodities like we usually have and then the market roundup. Any big changes this week? Nah, it's pretty quiet this week. No, no, major, no major changes. Um, the gold price was uh, down $3.50 an ounce to $1,659 an ounce. Um, the copper price was up uh, $69 a tonne to $8,205 a tonne. And the crude oil price was up um, $4 a barrel to $1,100 to $1 to one hundred and eleven dollars and fourteen cents. A bit different to eleven hundred dollars. That's a big rise. That's a big rise. A decimal point in the wrong place. Um, the currencies, uh, the Australian dollar drifted down again around most of the major countries down the world. Um, we we're down to um, uh, seventy-one point seven US cents. Um, so that that was that was down. Um, you know. 0.3% on the week. Um, against the Great British Pound, we were down to 54.96 pence. And against New Zealand dollar, we're up against New Zealand dollar slightly to a dollar nine. And against the euro, we were down to 61.66 euro cents. So Henry's holiday is getting more expensive the longer <laughs> he's stayed we, away. He can only hope that for his sake that he's purchased his, all yeah, of his currency advanced. ahead of time. Yeah, that's right. Surely he would have, you would imagine. <laughs> oh, he does. Um, I think it's all like holidays. You plan to spend the same. You, you plan to spend so much until the plastic card comes out. That's yeah. fair enough. But hey, you're on holidays. You got to live your life, Stephen. Right. Got to live your life. Um, and now, and now the. Uh the, the uh, equity markets around the world. Um, you're a bit richer here. Uh, the all ordinaries was up. Well, uh, the all ordinaries, Australian all ordinaries was up to uh, six thousand two hundred eighty-three, um, which is um, up sixteen points of the week. It's interesting that that. This week's the tenth anniversary of the collapse of Lehman Brothers, and the Australian equity market is, is still below where it was in nineteen and two and two thousand eighteen. It's still Very below where it was before the GFC, because the US market um, overtook that position in two thousand and thirteen. Um, so that's interesting. Um, so the S and P five hundred was um, up another ten point nine percent on the week to two thousand eight hundred eighty eight point nine two, and the UK index was down five point six to seven thousand three hundred thirteen. So the equity markets are pretty similar around the world. No major changes there. Nothing to slash your wrist out or go out and buy some champagne over. So. Well, more champagne buying days, Stephen, would be better, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be. And, of course, uh, stocks that local investors all seem to own, or a lot of people seem to own here. Uh, BHP was $31.10. It's it's down another um, 30 cents of the week. Um, so it, it kind of got to a high, about a, about a high of just on almost $34 a couple of months, six weeks ago, and since then it's drifted back. Um uh, CBA um, was up a dollar seventy nine on the week, which is uh, which is a bit surprising considering um, the Royal Commission and further revelations about um, uh, CBA and its life insurance subsidiaries. How how long is the Royal Commission planned to stick around for? How long um, have we got I, that? I think it says uh, it's not long to run, but mm. I. There was talk in the early days that there was going to be an extension, and there's still a lot of things to cover. So, uh, I. I, I 
wouldn't be surprised if the commission um, um, requests an extension of time. I think the I think the government's probably reluctant to do it, but they'll they'll, they'll be forced to do it if the commission ex requests an extension. There's too many things that are coming out. Um, um, if they're not getting through, I mean, if there's only got so much time, if they're not getting through all of those major points, I guess the government will be forced to. New government, they'll want to be seen to be doing what the public wants. Yeah, much as they'd like to shut it down, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's, this is a bit like Sir, Hap, was it Sir Humphrey Appleby. You don't have a commission mm -hmm. unless you know, don't have an inquiry unless <laughs> you know the answer. Well, unfortunately, people didn't know the answer. Well, they, the did, just did, it, they did, they did, just ended up being worse what, than they thought. Yeah, um, and, and NIB was down 12 cents on the week to $6.16. So that's fallen a bit from the last couple of weeks when it was six fifty five, but still everyone's doing all right at NIB if you got it on, on when it demutualised. And and Telstra was up six cents on the week to three dollars eighteen. And the oil price, the fuel and oil price, um, Newcastle dollar forty nine for dollar forty nine for unleaded, which is marginally down on last week. Sydney a dollar fifty two cents a litre for unleaded, which is marginally down. And the long weekends here in two weeks. Oh, can't imagine. So, yeah. The decibel point will move then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe. And uh, diesel price $1.53.9 in Newcastle and $1.51.7 in Sydney. So pretty much all those things are pretty similar to last week. Stephen, having a look at some of the big stories in the marketplace and uh, Hong Kong CK Group, what's happening with those guys? Um, Hong, uh, a few months ago, probably two, two months ago, these things kind of moved slowly. Um, a Hong Kong CK Group, which is an infrastructure group based in Hong Kong, made a takeover bid for APA Group. Now, APA Group is Australia's largest owner of... Um, gas pipeline infrastructure. So that basically is it's what... It's a very important piece of infrastructure it's what's, too. <laughs> it's what delivers the natural gas from the gas fields to the distribution networks in the city and the industries. And it's got, it owns those great big pipelines, not the little ones that run down the, mm -hmm. the street to the house, but it owns the great big ones. So anyhow, CK's made this uh, takeover bid. Um, the the ACCC has waived it through on the basis that, that they only basically consider competition issues. But now there's considerable issues about national security being raised and it appears that it may be knocked back on national security grounds. So it's interesting that that I, I'd suggest that 18 months ago a national security issue wouldn't wouldn't have even been considered and it doesn't appear to be considered when the state government sold the port of Newcastle and it doesn't appear to have been considered when they sold Energy Australia but now now there's national security issues being considered in the sale of all these infrastructure assets. Foreign investment on such a large scale is always very tricky. I mean there's, sometimes there seems to be uh, an appetite for it uh, at, from government, and then sometimes they're like, "Well, let's take a closer look at this." They're obviously taking a good look at yeah, this one. Yeah, I, th I think you know, it just shows that the climate's kind of changing mm. a bit, and, and other things are now being taken into you know, account instead of the competition. I mean, and who are, whoever owns that um, national gas grid can basically, you know, turn off the gas supply to <laughs> just hit the rig button, the turn major, it off. The major cities around Australia. Yeah, that's so a, it. Does it does raise issues apart from price competition? There's your national security grounds potentially. Uh, Solomon Liu, what's happening there? And, and Solomon Liu, oh, back at Maya, it's mm. uh, the fun and games at Maya. So Maya announced like uh, yesterday their new new plan from the future, 
or their plan <laughs> for the future going forward. And, and basically Sullivan has come out and said it looks like it was written on the back of an envelope <laughs> while, you were, while you were in a roller coaster. Oh, dear. Um, so he's not a fan of this plan for the future. No, and, and, and he's, he's basically <laughs> saying that, you know, investors deserve more, the board's an absolute disgrace and, and, and the, 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 they should resign. Now, the interesting thing about this strategy is this new person's come on board and says, you know, it's going to take two years for the strategy to start to show results. But, but he has said, in effect, that the Myers previously strategy was just rubbish and was doomed to failure. But you've had the same board there approving the previous strategy now they're approving a new strategy that says the previous strategy was rubbish so so solomon has probably got some grounds to say the board should be resigning okay but of course they won't want to resign well, especially when you've got the chairman who admits he doesn't know anything about retailing that's a good start <laughs> that's a good start for the head of a retail company mm. okay uh sir tech have uh, got some approvals yeah sir tech is an australian company that that um, invented a, uh, it came out of the University of Western Australia actually, a, a treatment for um, liver cancer, last stage liver cancer. And, and there's been a bit of a takeover battle and um, for that. And um, there was originally an offer from a US company mm-hmm. and then a Chinese company called Grand, China Grand Pharmaceuticals has come in and overbid um, the US company and uh, the Supreme Court's approved the takeover offer for that. So um, assuming shareholders um, get paid on the 20th September, um, Surtex will become a Chinese subsidiary a subsidiary of a Chinese company and no longer Australian company. So it's more Australian technology being sold overseas. Which which we never like to see, but again, we're back to these foreign investment questions all over again. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Bigger. Uh, um, Bigger, well, Bigger's, Bigger's, Bigger's bought a bit of the farm back. I mean, um, the history to this was, um, was that the uh, Saputo has acquired some of the Murray Goulburn Coalbury's assets, and part of that, the ACCC required them to invest some of their milk plants, and, and Bigger's come along and bought that. Um, so Bigger's, Bigger's bought uh, that. They needed to raise some money. Um, they did institutional placement during the week and raised $200 million, and they're doing a share purchase plan to raise another $50 million. Now, Bigger's becoming a bit of a, a Australian whether intentionally or not, becoming a bit of Australian brands icon because they, 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 they've got, of course, the bigger cheese products. Well, no, probably them. And then they acquired Vegemite. And, and with that, they got the, 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 those Kraft King cheese products and all, all those Australian brands. And, and now there's talk they're also going to acquire Cap or make a suggestions that they may make an offer for Capilano. So it's a bit good to see an Australian um, company acquiring some of these brands back instead of... Uh, being um, sold overseas, which is... Uh, a reversal of fortune, which, again, is a good thing. Uh, we're going back to the banks. NAB, uh, they're trying to build a bit of trust, and this is probably the time to do it, would you imagine? Well, a couple of weeks ago, Westpac announced that they were raising their home loan interest rates by... So, uh, seemingly out of the blue. 14 basis points or something. And then a number of the other a number of the other banks followed along. Well, well NAB came out this week and, and said that they're, they're going to hold their interest rates steady, um, and it's an attempt to uh, rebuild trust with the community. Um, I, I how, do you, it, how do you see this going, though? I, I find it all a bit hard, really. I mean, either the funding costs are going up or the funding costs are not going up. And and, and the funding costs, it would be unusual 
that they're all going up in every institution except one. Uh, they, they tend... And just looking at the term deposits we're placing in the office, uh, the funny... The, the term deposit rates are going up. I mean, mm. you can get, you know... 2.8% for a six-month TD. Now, you, you wouldn't have got that four or five months ago. So the rates are going up. So I, I think it's a bit of a PR exercise on the NAB. I think the NAB's hopeful this will bring in some more business, um, whether it does or whether it doesn't. But I think what you're going to see is the banks that exist in two or three years are going to be completely different to what they offer now. I think you're going to see it's going to be back to banks basically uh, taking deposits and lend money. I think you're going to see that the wealth management divisions are gone. They're basically all out of their, their life insurance. Um, Westpac's the only one who, who is still maintaining they're going to keep their financial planning and wealth management division. Um, CBA's wealth, uh, wealth management and life insurance stuff's being spun off. NAB's already sold their life insurance and are trying to get rid of So I think, you know, these institutions are going to be completely different. So if they do, as you feel they might, go back to their bread and butter, their meat and potatoes, is this a good thing for banks just to be more streamlined that way or is it just where the market is, uh, where the market's going to be? Oh, I think, I think, I think, I think it's, uh, it's a good thing. I think, I think that's where they should have stayed to start with. I think it all got confusing. Um, they were trying to do too many things to too many people. And it's shown around the world that this integrated model generally doesn't work. So if around the world, and this is my... It's be, called the bank assurance model. <laughs> Fair enough. If, if around the world we were seeing that it wasn't working, why were they almost arrogant enough to think it may have worked here? Oh, well, a lot of things that work here don't seem to work overseas. So vice versa. So vice versa. Mm. And it did work for a while. I mean, one of the things that were driving CBA's record profits was uh, was the money they were getting from the from the old colonial funds management division. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what they're going to do with this capital they've got and and how they're going to continue to pay the level of dividends they are without these without these businesses in them. Okay, now it looks like Telstra are looking to get ahead of the competition, so ahead of the competition that their new, new yeah, infrastructure so will be here before anyone can use it. Yeah, well, that's right. It was an interesting story this week that Telstra's going to start rolling out the new 5G network, or starting construction on that, and uh, 5G is going to be the super-duper network that replaces uh, 4G, which has replaced 3G, except when you go to places like Hawksnest, you can't even get 3G to work, um, after I've complained to Telstra numerous times. Um, uh, 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 you know, there's a number of country areas you can't get 3G to work. You know, it's not even remote places that that you can't. So anyhow, so they're going to roll out this 5G and probably they're, they're, they're probably that's probably the answer actually, now that I think about this. So 5G is going to be re rolled out and it's going to be available a year before there's any handsets to use it. Which is interesting. Yes, it'll be there. It'll but be I've awful. just thought of the answer. Okay. There can't be any complaints that it doesn't work, that <laughs> you can't get reception on it. Our first year, it no complaints. Have, have a perfect customer response so they will seasonally adjust their complaint <laughs> figures are trending down will their complaint but so we, we so the 5g network telstra's announcing plans to roll it out um and they might have even started construction and it's going to be completed a year before the handsets available and it'll be according to their data it'll be everywhere oh well you know the, the usual 90 percent coverage or 97 okay coverage, and just yeah. you seem to always be in that 10 percent where well you too is it <laughs> fair enough okay well that can be a good thing i guess uh, jobs for the future infrastructure of the future that might be a change from our telcos who knows and mandy this week around you here with carer payments hi mandy hello Stephen. how are you 
Good. So we're going to talk a bit about carer payments to this week. Mm. So I thought we'd start with um, you telling me what a carer payment is. Okay, so Department of Human Services Centrelink, we actually have two different payments that we administer for carers. One is the carer payment, which is an income support payment. So it's effectively a, a pension type payment for people who are providing a substantial level of care and are, are unable to work full time. So they're you know potentially eligible for an income support payment in recognition that they can't work full time because of that care role. Uh, the other payment that we administer for carers is called carer allowance. Now this one is what we call a supplementary benefit, so it's not an income support payment. Um, now both of our carer payments have medical eligibility. So if a person applies for one or both, because it is absolutely possible to receive both of these payments, um, then there is an assessment based on the care receiver's uh, you know, medical conditions, illness, disability, etc., to determine um, that medical eligibility. So who determines who determines that? Who does the assessment? So the care receiver themselves, doctor, GP, yep. specialist, um, you know, medical person that there is looking after them is the one that's given the task of completing that form. So the okay. person themselves chooses who, re who re okay, completes yeah, the report. Yeah. So it can't just be someone they've met down the street. It has to be the GP or the specialist. Yeah, there's a group yeah. of registered medical type people who can complete it. So it can be, uh, you know, potentially a registered nurse in an aged care assessment team. Okay. There's a, a number of different people who qualify to complete the form. Okay, and so what What? What do people... What? What? position does the person who's being cared for have to be in to become eligible for someone to be paid to look after them? Well, I mean, that's a difficult question, but yeah, well, so we, measure, we measure the, the care um, eligibility on, in th on three factors. So we look at the person's um, personal care needs. So do they need assistance with bathing, showering, things like that? Um, we also look at their cognitive function. So have they had some memory loss, uh, impaired cognitive function? Or, and also, sorry, uh, behavioural. So, you know, are they showing signs of depression? Is there a, a mental illness, etc.? So those three different areas are looked at and, you know, either all together or one of each, you know, in one area alone, the person may be eligible based on, you know, a, a combination of conditions or simply one condition. So you have to be reasonably... You have to be reasonably ill or... Well... Reasonably... Yeah, like, you can't you know, break your leg and then apply for it? Well, it's based on a continuous period. Right. So for uh, the carer payment, for example, the person must be needing that care and attention for a minimum period of six months. Oh, okay. okay. So it's not for a really short-term yep. injury okay. type yeah. situation, you know, a broken leg and recuperating, yep. etc. Um, carer payment has a six-month minimum qualification. Carer allowance, however, actually has a 12-month minimum period of care required. Okay. So, yeah, and, and the payments it, have different rules, essentially. There's always different rules. And is there any time limit um, at the beginning before you can apply or...? or no, no, no. So, you know, you can, as soon as you realise, look, I'm actually putting in a lot of extra work here, I'm providing the care, you can lodge a claim, you know, for a carer payment and or a carer allowance. Okay. So is the payment means tested in any way? Okay. So 
different rules again. Yes, Stephen. I knew there was different rules. <laughs> so Not he, more government compliance, surely. So for a carer payment, a carer payment being an income support payment, yep. it is definitely means tested. So the carer payment falls under the pensions, income and assets test, which mm-hmm. we've talked about in previous yep, shows. Yep. Um, and for carer allowance being a supplementary benefit, it's actually not means tested. So no means testing um, and it's a non-taxable payment, the carer allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, carer payment, however, the, the taxable status of that payment depends upon the age of the person caring and the person receiving the care. So if one of those people are above age pension age, the carer payment is taxable, uh, whereas if uh, they're both under age pension age, the carer payment is non-taxable. Okay, and what about the carer allowance? That's non-taxable at all times. So that's non-taxable. And the person that's being cared for, for both carer payment and carer allowance, um, can be an adult or a child. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, as we've said, that person needs to meet medical criteria. Okay, so what what type of money are we talking about for these um, allowances and payments? Okay, so carer payment being a pension, it's the pension rates. Yep. So currently for carer payment, the maximum rate's $907.60 a fortnight. Um, and for a partnered carer, it's $684.10 per fortnight, um, subject to those income and asset tests. The carer allowance, however, being non-means tested, is currently $127.10 per fortnight. That's a flat rate. Okay, so so this the the care uh, um, income support payment. That's basically someone to 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 provide income for someone who looks after someone full time. Pretty much, like yeah. I mean, the definition of you know that that person is the person needs um, subs- can't can't participate in substantial paid employment because they provide full-time care to come on someone with a severe illness, disability, or injury. Um, there is a. a, a an absence test, I guess we call it, for carer payment in that you can't be absent from the care receiver for more than 25 hours per week for structured activity, such as paid work, um, training, study, etc. And that does include the travel time to and from. So you can be working part-time and still being a carer, um, potentially eligible for carer payment subject to your income and asset position, but not working full-time, unfortunately, for the carer payment. Okay, and what about the care allowance? Care allowance doesn't have an an absence test applied to it. So as long as the person is participating in the care on a daily basis, then they can potentially meet the eligibility requirements for the care allowance. No means testing. So, you know, someone who might be working full time, but a large part of their at home time every evening, um, etc., is taken up with caring responsibilities. Um, certainly look at the eligibility to that care allowance. Right. So you said um, living at home and they spend the evenings. So do the people have to live together, do they? No, they actually don't. Um, You don't need to be living in the same address as the person you're caring for. Uh, When a person makes application for payment, if they're not residing in the same address, we do ask some additional questions questions, Mm -hmm. um, just to ensure that they are participating in that care on a daily basis. So it has to be daily. So you couldn't put down that you're caring for someone, say, if you're living in Newcastle, you couldn't, you couldn't put down you were caring for someone in Gosford, for example? Not unless you were spending a large part of okay, each day so in Gosford with that person. Yeah, so you'd look at how far away and whether it's, whether, whether it's possible. That, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the proximity to the person, how they can respond in, in you know, emergency-type situations, I guess, um, to look at the eligibility. And so does that apply for the allowance as well? Yes, yes. We don't need to be living together, um, but we do look at the, the proximity and so on. 
Linda has a question for you on that very topic. Good afternoon, Linda. Hello. It's not actually a question, it's a comment. My husband gets the um, carer's allowance to look after me because I can't do things. And we joke that he gets 38 cents an hour, even when he's asleep. (laughs) (laughs) The only way you can look at it, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Every every little bit helps, though. I mean, carer allowance is $127 a fortnight. Um, Yes, which works out at 38 cents an hour. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as I said, every every little bit helps with the budget and, you know, those extra things that your husband's doing to look after you. It certainly does, but we make a joke of it. When he complains, he has to mop the floor again. I said, well, you didn't work the last, the last hour, <laughs> yeah. but you're getting double bonus Good, for it. Double time. <laughs> Linda, for what it's worth, Linda, for what it's worth, that's four cents an hour worth more than we're getting here at the radio station, so you're okay. <laughs> okay. You have to keep your humour, though, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You certainly do. It sounds like she's got a lot of it, Mandy, that's for yeah, sure. thank yes. you. Yeah. Thanks for that, Linda. So just on this, uh, uh, where you have to live. So the care allowance is basically designed to keep people in their uh, their home. Or So if you if the person moves into the um, uh, a retirement village or a retirement um, aged care facility, um, so the, the care allowance no longer applies there or the care payment? So if you, the care needs to be provided in a private home. Now, you've said two things there, Stephen. You said retirement village and aged okay, care sorry, facility. I, I realised after I said it, yeah. <laughs> retirement villages, potentially a person can still be receiving care allowance cause yep. reti- and care payment because a retirement village is self-care. Mm-hmm. So certainly we might have lots of couples out there living in retirement villages or next-door neighbours looking after each other. So retirement villages eligibility can still exist. Aged care facilities, however, not. If a person's now become a permanent resident of an aged care facility, facility, uh, their carer is no longer able to receive payments. So the carer allowance would cease immediately upon mm-hmm. a person entering an aged care facility. However, if they have a carer receiving that carer payment, that carer payment is um, given an extension for 14 weeks. So the person, the carer continues to receive it for 14 weeks as a transition for them mm-hmm. um, to look at potential, you know, other payment eligibility or are they going back to work? Um, mm-hmm. In which case, obviously, if they start working, it could reduce the rate. Um, but, yeah, there is a 14-week extension just for the payment. So, just on that before we take this call. Mm. So, if the if the person goes into a hospital yep. temporarily... Dif- so, we've you, got... Um, you still get... They still pay the allowances? Yes. So, we've got... Uh, there's what we call respite and hospitalisation okay, provisions yep. for both of these payments. So if a person is a carer but receiving one or both of the payments, they're eligible for up to 63 days per year of respite care. Yep. Now, during that respite, the carer does not have to participate in the care because okay. that is a break for the carer. Obviously, okay. you know we recognise that carers do a great job in the community and a lot of hard work and they certainly need a break. So during that 63 days, they're not required to participate in the care. But if the care receiver needs to be hospitalised, carers will still be doing a lot of work. Yes, they'll be yes, visiting, yes. they'll be washing, they'll be, you know, potentially yes, feeding yes, people. Yes. So there's an additional 63 days available to carers who are participating in the care whilst their care receiver is in hospital. Okay, so for a while they're in hospital up to 63 days mm-hmm. per year, so you don't usually stay in hospital for 63 days. Not so in one go, but, yeah. you know, if someone has oh, so a chronic-type condition, yeah. okay. it's a calendar year, okay. 63 days in any calendar year, so... Yeah. All right, sounds pretty good. Let's continue. Betty, you've got a question for Mandy on the carer pension. Yes, thank you. Mandy, uh, my son receives a carer's pension for me. Mm-hmm. We're going for the review, and he doesn't think he deserves it because he doesn't shower me. 
okay. But he does all the housework. I can't do that. I broke my ankle in three... I'm 84 anyway. Mm. Broke my ankle in um, three places. Yep. The, the eligibility is based on like a, a lot of factors so just the fact that he's not showering you that in itself is certainly not enough to you know warrant him him not being eligible um if he's under review the best thing he can do is you know if there's a doctor's report that needs to be completed you take that to your doctor you, yeah. you, know, you sit with the doctor and discuss and the doctor should be doing this with you you know what is he doing for you what are the care needs that you have and answer those questions based on on fact what's actually happening and we'll then determine his eligibility Oh, thank you. Yes, okay. we've got, made an appointment with the doctor. We've got the papers here. So. Yeah, yes, he just doesn't think he deserves it because he doesn't shower me. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't let my son shower me anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just thinking, now I'm looking after mum. So, you know, he needs Well, he's to... always close by when I'm in there in case I have an accident. Absolutely. So. And, th and that's part of the aspect of a carer as well. It's not necessarily is the person, you know, physically doing those tasks, but does he feel comfortable with you showering on your own? So, or is he right next door in the room in case you have a fall? You know, yeah. So there's that yeah. supervision aspect that's looked at also. And I do try to be a little bit too independent at times. So. Yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> yeah, OK, then. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Thanks, Mandy. Betty. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, uh, Betty. And uh, last word, Mandy, on carer pensions. And there's something about a carer bonus. Well, a lot of cu uh, customers like to call it a carer's bonus, but we do have a supplement, a legislated carer supplement that's paid to our carers um, after the 1st of July every year. So in their first payment after the 1st of July, they are eligible to receive a $600 supplement payment. If they're receiving carer payment and carer allowance, that amounts to $1,200. And to be eligible for that, they just have to be eligible for carer payment and or carer allowance on the 1st of July at, an, at a rate more than zero. Okay, so that means in respect of that income and asset test. Right. So which only is the carer payment. So they, if they got $1 of carer payment, they could get the $600. They would get the $600 supplement also, yes. And okay. Mandy, just a final word for you for folks who want to find out a bit more about uh, carer pensions, where should they head this afternoon? They should head onto our website, Mark, at uh, www.humanservices.gov.au and they can just use the search bar there to look up carer payment or carer allowance. Always a great listen when Mandy comes in. Thank you, Mandy, for your time this afternoon. Thank you. And Stephen Pritchard, again, a great program. Thanks, You'll be Mike. back next week. I'll be back next week. Do you know what's coming up next week or is it too early to tell? Too early to tell. Um, is Henry back next week? I don't know. <laughs> he I might, don't know. He'll be somewhere. He might bring some holiday snaps and we'll get it on the website. That's Thursday Finance. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.